All right, as they are being seated, may I please highlight the idea of our small groups. Out in the back, in our foyer, you will find a number of kiosks that will highlight the groups that we have in the area that are meeting midweek, sometimes on the weekend, that facilitate relationship, uh, camaraderie, a sense of supporting one another, discipleship development, leadership development. Our small groups happen outside of our Sunday morning, and Sunday morning is important. What we do here at this moment is good, but it's not all the church is. Church is so much more than just the hour we have together. And we want you to experience that by getting together with people who are of like mind and like vision, sharing your life with them, them sharing their life with you, being a support to them, them supporting you, understanding what it means to be tied relationally to someone. We're not talking about somebody intentionally invading your space. They're not trying to be pushy. They just want to help. And relationships happen best when people are together. I know that seems to insult your intelligence, but please forgive me for stating the obvious. You can't be in a relationship with people unless you decide to be together at some point. And relationships are the backbone of the church. It's not just theology, though theology is important. It's not just service to the community, though service to the community is important. If you don't have the relationships that tie people together, and you got a serious weak link, and at some point, something's going to break. And so our relationships are the backbone of what we do. And it's my hope that you would go out there in the back after the service and figure out what small group you can be a part of. There are many of them that happen all over the metropolitan area. You can find one that's near you. Turn with me over to the book of the Psalms. Psalm 50. Psalm 50. We're going to look at verse 23 of Psalm 50. It says, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, and to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. Lord, help as we study. The psalmist is doing what he can to talk about what, what benefit thanksgiving and ordering your way aright has. There's something of an honoring of God that happens when you give him thanks. And not just with the words of your mouth, but with the deeds of your life and with the resources that you have gained. He says, a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Thanksgiving is that which needs to pour from your lips regularly. But it also needs to extend from your hand. A thanksgiving offering was prescribed in the Old Testament. I realize it's rather unusual for us as a people to talk about it, primarily because most of our offerings are centered around need or responsibility. So we believe in the tithe and the offering for the local church. There are building offerings for the local church. We provide for the needs of the impoverished. We have benevolent offerings. We have missions offerings for those who are going to the mission field. We build orphanages for for kids that don't have a home. We provide for them education. So there are many needs out there that require people to, to part with their resources in order to see them met. But a Thanksgiving offering is not need-based. It's gratefulness-based. In, in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 11 through 18, it talks about what a Thanksgiving offering is. It's a votive offering. Votive means that which is based upon a vow or a voluntary gift, 
a promise that you would make to God that you would do so. And you could give a Thanksgiving offering whenever you wanted. It wasn't calendar prescribed. It didn't have anything to do with your misdeeds like a sin offering or a guilt offering. It wasn't centered around Passover, which happened in the calendar, or the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of, of Pentecost weeks, or the, the Feast of Passover, New Moon Festivals. It wasn't around the calendar. It wasn't around a misdeed. It was just sometimes you, you just woke up in the morning and you were grateful to God that you could breathe, that you greeted another day. I remember in the church in which I grew up, uh, they had moments where some of the mamas and grandmamas at the church would stand up and give testimony. And uh, the grandmamas would get up and the first thing they'd say is, I just want to thank God today that he woke me up. Now, I was four. And I said to myself, they have the mic for that? <laughs> I mean, we all woke up. That's what I was thinking to myself. We all woke up. They got the mic for that? Well, now that I'm 57, I just want to thank God. <laughs> for waking me up today. <laughs> perspective is gained. And what is going to be the prompt for perspective being gained in your life? What is it? My hope is that it would not be the next thing for which you feel you need to express gratefulness. That you're not waiting for God to do the next thing for you to now respond. That you can comb through your past and say, even though it may not have been the way you wanted it. You, didn't, you wouldn't have scripted it like this. But it's really a good benefit. And as I am fond of saying, it's not a, it's not a bad outcome when you realize you're not going to hell. That's not bad. Because like Eternity is a long time, and to have to spend it apart from God wouldn't be good. And considering the fact that we judge our 80 years as being that which we need to either give God praise or not, depending upon how he's treated us, <laughs> when you get to eternity, that 80 years is about as long as it takes you to blink compared to what it is like when you get to live with God forever. And it will not have mattered how difficult your 80 would have been. All you will be thankful for is what you get to live in then. That's all you'll think about. And so a dear friend of mine once said, if you're going to be thankful later, be thankful now. If you're going to rejoice later, rejoice now. Don't let the present circumstances prohibit you from doing what you know needs to be done even though you don't feel like it needs to be done. Because at some point, you will look back and say, that wasn't as bad as I thought compared to what I got. Compared to how he has treated me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thanksgiving needs to become knee-jerk in our life. And so the people in the Old Testament, they could wake up one day and say, 
today's a good day. I'm just going to thank my God. And they would tangibly bring their offering to the tabernacle or to the temple. And it would be a goat or a lamb or maybe if they were a farmer, fruit of the ground. And no occasion, just gratefulness. Now, unfortunately, the church has not carried that over by way of tradition. But we do our best in the month of September to reemphasize this point because, oh, how grateful are we that this church exists? I am. 36 years. Been here every day of the 36. Watched God do stuff that I didn't know he was going to do for us. I knew he could. I just didn't know he would. Seen lives repaired, people saved, marriages healed, kids who were out there, no more, they're back home. I mean, miraculous things. Deeds that could only be attributed to God, having been done through the mercy and grace exhibited through this house. And I am so grateful that he has allowed us to not only exist, but to prosper in the mission of seeing the gospel spread, not only with what we are doing here, but how we have planted in L.A., how we have planted in Phoenix, how we have planted in Orlando, how we have planted in Philadelphia, how we planted in Vietnam, how we're going to plant in Myrtle Beach, how we just planted in Charlottesville this month, and there will be many more. And we have sites all over, and we've been able to do it in a very unique way where it's, it's not just people who look like Brett. We have a Korean congregation, and they speak Korean. 130 folks gathered together. The church has only been going for five months. They are fabulous. You're going to get to hear from that pastor in the coming months. He's amazing. Pastor June Oh, wow. We have a Latino congregation pushing 200 people right now meeting at 1245. Wow, and they speak all in Spanish over there. Yet we are all one people. Unusual. And it's not easy to build this way because you got the cross currents of culture that constantly clash. We like it this way. We like it this way. And you're always trying to navigate around what somebody has to give up, not what you need to prefer on your own. And so it grows slower. It grows with greater difficulty but it grows with soundness. And we've got a real stored upness about us that every Thanksgiving, every uh, uh, September, we get to say, thank you, God. We made it through another year, and we didn't just make it. You grew us. You expanded us. You multiplied us. God, we're grateful. Now, have we participated in the process? Yes. But make no mistake, I do not owe any of our progress to my skill set nor my ability to communicate, nor our worship and song team's ability to play well or sing well, nor our administrative staff's ability to administrate the vision that we have. All those things play a part, but I can't attribute credit to any of it because I realize the only, the only way good happens in the earth is if God lets it. Man is so messed up that there is no way he can do good unless God allows it. Listen to me. I know there are, there are philosophies out there that make you believe that mankind is good, at, is good in getting better. No, 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 no. We've had thousands of generations. We should have fixed that by now. We are still hurting one another. We are still lying to one another. We are still cheating one another. We are still stealing from one another. 
We're still trying to cover ourselves so that we don't want people to see the real us. We're still doing the same stuff that Adam did. Why? Because Adam could only produce what he was, a sinner. And ever since then, that's all that has come from him. And the world is going the wrong way. There is nothing on this planet that is geared for your benefit. The only reason you have good in your life is because God allows it. The only reason we're around is because God allowed it. Now, I'm grateful every day for that. This is a moment when I get to accentuate it because it's our anniversary month. But I'm grateful every day because I know what I'm not. I look at myself in the mirror every day. By the way, you're looking at Brett and saying, what is different about him today? Why is something different? I, I shaved. <laughs> now you know. I... I um, was I was doing the thing where you, you groom your and, and I created a divot I missed and so I had to reset my face I had, I had to do that that thing but I'm grateful every day I look at myself and I say oh I know what you can't do I know what you can't do so all this that is produced has to be Every day of my life, I'm grateful. Now, how does that expression of gratefulness manifest itself? Well, routinely, I just write a check or do the online thing or the secure giving app to Grace Covenant saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When my children were born, I wrote checks. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes for no reason at all, just thank you, Lord. I let there be a tangible expression because in the Old Testament, that's the way you expressed gratefulness. It wasn't just verbally. It, it, was, it was something from your life that you gave. And so we allow this month to be that moment where you can at least develop some kind of rhythm. At least it's once a year, but I'd like for it to be much more often. And, and you become good at this because you practice it. You do it regularly. It becomes a part of your balanced life. You begin to say, you know, I need to offer something to God. And people say, well, what, what for? Well, I'm just grateful to him. You mean there's no need? No, just want to know how, want him to know how much I appreciate what he's done for me. You develop this rhythm. And this rhythm allows you the privilege of letting gratefulness flow from your life even when you're doing other stuff. And it allows for you to be grateful even when you don't feel like there's anything for which you need to be grateful. Somehow... The cognizant understanding of his goodness sprouts wings and flies away in your consciousness. And now you are set with your mind fixed on the present circumstances that, that don't look anything like those which need to express gratefulness to God. But then that's the moment when you do it the most because you're working it by faith and you have a perspective that is panoramic. Beyond just that which your my myopia is allowing you to see, you realize, wait a minute now, my life's bigger than this moment, and God has really been good to me. And then if you, if you think long enough, you realize, you know, there was probably a bus that was assigned to hit me yesterday that didn't, because God stopped it. There was probably a disease that was supposed to come on me last year, and it didn't, because God didn't allow it. Oh, Lord, I got stuff for which I need to be grateful I don't even know about. All of a sudden, the panoramic view begins to come into play. And now you're thanking him in the midst of your sorrow. You're like Job, who was able. By the way, I, I tell God regularly, 
Just want you to know, you don't ever have to have a conversation with the devil about me. I'm just letting you know, I'm good. I'm going to praise you anyway. No need to test here, just FYI. Job lost everything in a day. Four businesses and ten children. And I mean lost like dead. Everything in one day. While the, the news of the bad report was being uttered and the period was being put on the last sentence, the other guy, who was the survivor of the last tragedy, came in and began to speak. And while the period wasn't even dry on his last sentence, another guy comes in and says, you lost everything this time. You lost it. It was all the worst day of all days in human history for one man. And he got on his face, tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and said, the Lord gave me, and I guess he's taking it away now. Blessed be your name. And with his, with his mouth, he did not offend or accuse God. Wow. Panoramic view. But you, but you have to practice this on a regular basis. So I, I'm, I'm going I'm to use an object lesson for you this morning that helps you understand how you can develop the balance that is necessary to give thanks even when you aren't deliberate about doing so. This is Keith. Keith is bringing me my son's hoverboard. Now, y'all going to have to pray that, that, that I don't wind up in the hospital. So, Keith, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, when you first start this thing, you, you, uh, you, you many, you, yeah, yeah, you do that. But the more you do it, the more you're able to figure out how to just live life the way you should. Now, the interesting thing is when you do this, you can actually do other stuff while you're doing it. You don't even have to concentrate on it anymore. You can actually just do what you do and talk to people and even preach the gospel while you're, while you're doing hoverboard. That's the way Thanksgiving ought to be. You should be able to do anything else in your life while at the same time realizing my heart, Lord, is an overflowing fountain of Thanksgiving to you. Now, I realize this, that you are not listening to a word I say at this moment because you're concerned that I'm going to flip right over the edge. So I'll move back for you a little bit. How's that? But you develop a comfort. And how did I get here? Oh, let me tell you. When I first got on this thing, I fell so many times. I had to have so many spotters. It was nuts. I said, I'll never do this thing. It'll never work for me. And my son was there. He was zipping around the house, everything, bragging about it, you know, not really bragging, but he acted like he was bragging. He was just so good at it, and I was so terrible. But I said, I'm going to get that thing. I'm not going to let you beat me at this. And he has yet to preach from it, so I got him now. <laughs> uh, but you know you got something. You're still not listening to me. He's going to go right over the edge he is. You know you got something when you can unconsciously make it move and not stop anything else you're doing. I'll help you.
That's the way thanksgiving ought to be. It just flows from your life while you're at work, while you're on a date with your spouse, while you're caring for your kids, while you're driving to work. It just happens because you've practiced it so much. The Bible says in this passage that it needs to be a sacrifice of thanksgiving, a sacrifice, which means that sometimes you've got to go ahead and say thank you when you don't feel like it. It is a sacrifice to do so. You have to give when you don't feel like it. It's a sacrifice to do so. But when you do so, a couple of things happen. When you sacrifice and order your way right, God begins to, to turn the tumblers of the locks which have prohibited you from getting in the safe. And he says, I'm going to bless you with insight and with the ability to understand what salvation looks like. You want that to happen. You want insight for your life. He said, I will show you things and I will show you what salvation looks like so revelation will come to you it'll be revealed and you'll be able to find the exit signs so that you aren't bound by the mistakes you made in the past or the things that others have tried to to get you on and 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 harm you with God said I will show you salvation now this is a beautiful prescription it's one that is pretty reliable that if you are constantly grateful and express it not only in verb, not only in word, but in deed and with resources, and you order your way aright, insight will be given to you that allows you to understand what salvation looks like. And not just salvation that gets you to heaven, but salvation that saves you from here. We need saving from this. Peter preached to the, the crowd in Acts chapter 2. He said, know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, Acts 2, 36. And when the people heard this, verse 37, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter replied, verse 38, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. For you will receive this as for you and your children and many who are far off, verse 40. And with many other words, he continued to exhort them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Salvation, when somebody said in the early church, are you saved? They weren't talking about going to heaven. That was assured. They're saying, are you saved from this? Are you saved from you? Are you saved from them? Are you saved from that? God wants to give us salvation from all of this. I'm not diminishing what heaven looks like. I'm excited about that. That we won't have to struggle anymore. That's a beautiful thing. But I'm still here. I need to be saved from my own self. From my bad thoughts. From my wayward actions. From my own soul that leans in the wrong direction regularly. I need to be saved from that which the enemy has planned for me in my destruction. And hindering the gospel. I need to be saved from all of that. This perverse that we find. This perversiveness. Perversiveness. That's not a word. This perverse generation. I need to be saved from. God help me. Will God do that even if you don't give thanks the right way and you don't order your way right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's very merciful. He cares about us. But if you apply this prescription well, you might just be able to knock out that, 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 that bacterial infection about two weeks. Otherwise, if you don't, it might take you six months. You'll be sick a lot longer. You'll be in your situation a lot longer. 
This is the prescription that gets you out. Now, what does he talk about when he talks about ordering the way? Well, it means to set your, your course in such a way that it's undeterrable. No rerouting on this. We are set this way, we're going this way, and I'm going to stay on this road, and if I do, I will intersect with all the provisionary things that God has for me in the future. If I exit early, I won't. I'll need his mercy to provide for things that I would normally intersect with if I just stayed on the road. And so I am setting my way, ordering my way this way. But I'm going to make a play on words here for a minute, and it it fits with with what what I'm trying to convey. When my kids were little, um, my oldest, Joseph, is 12, and then my baby would have been newborn year. Uh, we, had, we have seven. And most of our going out, going out to eats, mo- moment, going out to eat moments, were, were at Wendy's or McDonald's. We couldn't afford much more. Um, we just didn't have a whole lot of resources. And so uh, happy meals were a part of our life, a lot of them. And, and we would go through the drive-thru, and, and, and hardly ever did they get any of the drive-thru things right. It was very frustrating. Going out to eat was a challenge for us. I mean, and we, when you're ordering for nine people, it's like they didn't get that right, and somebody's mad that they didn't get their nuggets, and they didn't get their toy, and I'm thinking, I've got to drive back through, and it's just... Uh. So all of this just, just wears on a dad and a mom when you think about going out especially when you're not going to McDonald's anymore and you really want to treat the family, and out back was our place. That's where we went. Out back was our special moment. So we went to out back, and, um, and, and we, looking at the menu, getting ready to order, <clears throat> and everybody in the restaurant, you know, when they see a family of nine and the oldest is 12, they're just, my, my night is ruined. <laughs> I, I wanted a nice dinner with my spouse, and now they came in. And so the managers were thinking nobody is going to ever be happy here as long as his family here because they're going to throw in food and hollering and screaming. It's going to be a nightmare. Well, because I have such a good woman, our kids were pretty well behaved. And it was not unusual that after we finished eating that the manager would come and give our kids free dessert. That happened because they were so well behaved. And he was grateful that, that his patron stayed. <laughs> so we're sitting there in, in the restaurant and Cynthia and I are looking at the menu and my oldest children are looking at the menu but the younger ones have no clue they can't read so one of my babies says I want chicken nuggets (laughs) oh oh, baby girl they, they, they don't they don't have chicken nuggets here well can they get them no 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 this is out back this is better this is out back um we can only order off this menu. That, that's all the food they have. Can they make nuggets? No, no, they don't have nuggets here. She was disappointed with whatever she got because it wasn't nuggets. When we talk about ordering right, you can't order revenge on somebody for what they've done for you because it's not on the biblical menu. Are you listening to me? You can't say, boy, I would like her tonight because she ain't on the menu. She's not on the menu. Your menu is the Bible. And it restricts your diet. And you can't have what you want. You have to order from that which God has prescribed. 
And when you order right, woo, benefits come to you. First of all, you don't need to recover from your bad order. Your wrong order, you got. And now you're trying to figure out how to fix it. Baby mama drama. See, theft isn't on the menu either. Embezzlement's not on the menu. Lying's not on the menu. All those things that cause problems at work, not on the menu. But now you don't have a job. And, and, and you're, you're, you're reaping the consequences of your misdeeds because you ordered off the menu. You didn't order from the menu. And we have to order our way aright. This is why you need to read your Bible every day so you know what's on the menu. When you order from the menu and you constantly are grateful, that prescription never fails to give you insight you would not have had before and to show you what being saved looks like here. Benefits that are immeasurably valuable. God wants to bless you. He's trying to get blessing to you. But so many people run to the doctor to get help. They get the script and they never go to the pharmacy. And they figure, I'm going to do what I feel I need to do to get myself right. And they wind up either delayed in their progress or their healing or doing the wrong thing and having to re-recover from that which they just recovered. And it's a mess, and they wind up in this revolving door of sin out of which there is no exit. And they don't grow, they don't progress. They wind up being a 40-year-old baby who's still sucking on spiritual milk bottles after 20 years of being saved. But he or she who is grateful every day and is constantly expressing it by way of practice so that they don't even have to decide. It's just knee-jerk. It just happens. And he or she who orders their way aright finds themselves in the enviable category of honoring God with their life and being shown things they would not have seen otherwise about what the exit sign looks like and where to go. Salvation from difficulty and salvation into blessing. God wants to do that for you because he loves you like that. So I'd like to have us have a moment where we today embrace the inconvenience of offering a thanksgiving moment to him. Yes, it costs you, but that's what a, a sacrifice is. David said this, and I close, on the eve of his trying to figure out how to fix a problem he made, he numbered the people and you weren't supposed to number the people. Now, that doesn't mean that numbering the people is wrong. It means that there was a way you were supposed to number the people, and there was a motivation by which you were supposed to number the people. And if you didn't use the right motivation and you didn't use the right way, God wasn't happy. You weren't supposed to number the people to see how many folks you had that made you feel stronger. And it was all about numbering the warriors. That's all it was. So it was a it was a chest out moment for a king to say, I've got all these fighters and it's amazing. God never needed a bunch of folk to amount victory for his people. He just mercifully did it. And if you were to number the people, you were to exact a tax from every person you numbered. 
which was kind of, kind of a de-incentivizer to number because nobody wanted to pay more money. Why are you numbering us? You, now we got to pay a tax for each person. Are you kidding me? That's not smart. So nobody liked the idea of numbering. David numbered to see how strong he was as a, as a nation, but he didn't ask him for a tax. So he blew it in every way. His, his counselors tried to help him understand, don't do this. We don't need to do this. Don't do this. He didn't listen. God came to him and said, you got three choices. Either you're going to run from your enemies for three months. They will, they will chase you down. You got three years of famine. Or you got a few, few months of pestilence from me. Which one? He said, I choose to fall into the hands of the Lord. And an angel came with his sword drawn, ready to bring the sword against David's own people. And it was a sad, sad day. And when he saw the angel there, an angel of the Lord, at the threshing floor of a man named Ornan, he said, I'm going to offer to God a sacrifice here in hopes of receiving mercy. And Ornan, who owned this floor, a threshing floor is an agricultural tool in order to separate the husk from the meat of the grain. When he, when he, when he saw Ornan, he said, listen, I, I need to sacrifice here. Ornan said, I will give you all that you need to sacrifice. Animals, altar, whatever you need. He said, no, no, no. I can't offer to God something that doesn't cost me. You know what it'd be like? Offering time comes, you look at your neighbor and say, hey, can you spot me a five? <laughs> but it's supposed to be you offering, not me offering for you. That's what this is like, and David realizes it. Now, everybody knew it, but he articulated it. I realize you want to give to me, but it's got to cost me. I can't take what's yours and offer it as if it's mine. Sacrifice is always a part of our life. There's no way around it. But the benefit is huge. Because if you sacrifice a Thanksgiving offering to me, you honor me. And if you order your way right, I'll show you things and bring you into a place of being saved, salvation, like you've never seen before. Let's employ that today. Begin the process of ordering our way right and offering to God a thanksgiving offering. Let's pray. Daddy, love you. You, you are amazing. You help us. And the Lord knows, you know we need help. So help us to always be grateful and to order our way in the way we should.